It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, December 16th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is very, very thankful this day for one Carter Hart. Oh, yeah. He, he was spectacular. Unbelievable performance against the Devils. We'll talk about that. We'll preview the Rangers game this weekend and talk about some more GM uh, Board of Governors meeting news coming up next. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date with the latest on our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail. Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe over there as well. Uh, Russ, we had a bit of a surprise before the game with some upper body injuries for Patrick Brown and Max Willman, and that is really what necessitated the Ollie Lixell call-up, it seems. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens. Like, you know, sometimes that's what it takes to get a break in this league, and and so, you know, this stuff happens to to everybody. Um, I was happy Lixell got in there. I uh, hope he can get a few more games in so he could show off his offensive yeah. uh, abilities, but this wasn't going to be the one. But that's, you know, this is what happens. That's why it's good to have guys you can call up. Exactly. Uh, Tony D'Angelo was put on non-roster status while he continues to deal with that family matter. But Zach McEwen checked back in. Uh, good to see he was ready to play in this one. And he didn't play much, nine 9.45, but he did play. <laughs> He did. Um, So obviously, as we said at the top of the show, this was the Carter Hart story, this two to one win, uh, 48 saves on 49 shots. He was very busy for a good portion of that game, all of the game. And he had some really wicked shots against that Jack Hughes goal. Obviously, nobody could do anything about that. uh, Nobody, no, that we were, I was just staring Even at Even a video it, like, game goalie couldn't stop that. I know, I know. It was absolutely incredible. Like, Jack Hughes is the real deal. But, you know, aside from that, he weathered the storm on the penalty kill. Yeah. Uh, you know, the six on five at the end, I think, you know, was slightly better than they played at it uh, overall defensively but still Carter Hart had to come up with a bunch of key stops at the end of the game as well and he was just dialed yeah in. he stopped the breakaway he stopped two on ones I, I mean he he was mm-hmm. stopping point blank shots there was definitely times when the offense of New Jersey was overwhelming the Philly defense and Carter Hart was the difference like he he just was uh I don't care about shots on goal like I'm a guy who this is why you know I I don't care that a team outshot somebody 25 shots um, 
to me, it doesn't make a difference, right? Because the other team that had the fewer shots won. But for the goalie, it makes a difference. And and man, was right. he worked. And now, so you do have to think with all these games that he has played, you got to put Sandstrom in against the Rangers. Like you can't put Carter Hart in against the Rangers. I think I think it's too much. I think based on what his workload has been and what it was in this game, I, I think that would be a bad move in my eyes. Yeah, I could see them putting Hart in anyway because that's what they do. And there is a game against Columbus next week that maybe Sandstrom could check in on. But uh, we shall see what their decision turns out to be. I want to talk about the upside of this game. Uh, Scott Lawton scoring on the power play. He has That was big. It was huge. We talked about him specifically needing to step up a little bit more. He gets those power play opportunities sometimes. And uh, he now has four points in his last six games, two goals and two assists. So he could be trending back in the right direction of getting on the board a little more. Yeah, I mean, Scott Lawton was scoring was huge. I mean, you could see the, uh, the weight lifted off his shoulders. He played a really good game. He was effective. And this is what I'm saying. I mean... With all, there is still talent on this team, Carter Hart included, and that's why they are capable of winning these kinds of games. And think about it. They won without Kevin Hayes. I mean, he essentially played nine minutes. Yeah, we're going to get to that, but uh, I want to stick to the upside. No, that's here fine. I mean, because, you that know, is the upside, though. I'm a glass half But that full. is the upside because yes. they won without Kevin Hayes. They yeah. won without Tony D'Angelo. They, they banded together. That is the, a big upside. That's a big upside as a team win where they don't have a lot of those this year. Yeah, and Noah Cates continues to have really solid play, yeah. and I talked about wanting to get him on the scoreboard a little bit more. Two assists in, in this yeah. one, and very key ones at that on both goals, especially on the breakaway, though. Yeah, listen, Cates gets it. I mean, he was 57% on faceoffs. He's, <laughs> he got his two assists. He's in the plus column. He played a lot of power play time. He played penalty kill. Mm -hmm. I mean, again... We never want to say that it's too much for anybody, but he's 23. So, you know, this is he's kind of at his peak at the moment. And hopefully uh, he continues because it's big for this club. Yeah. And the Flyers were above 50 percent on faceoffs overall. And Cates was really good. And Morgan Frost was really good on them in this game as well, which was good to see him. That's big. 61 and a half is huge for, for Frost. Yeah, so let's talk about Kevin Hayes. What happened there? I think, I mean, when Kevin Hayes is sort of gliding out there and and he's not playing both ends hard, it really bothers the coach. And I don't know. I don't, at this point, the kind of veteran that he is, he should be able to overcome this, but maybe he doesn't want to. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, you know, a little battle going on here and, and Kevin Hayes is going to lose. Nobody wins these battles with John Tortorella. Nobody. No. And I think that as much as he's been on the score sheet, I think that for Torts, it's it's all about the effort. And so that's a, a thing to keep watching, you know? Yes, we have to keep watching. It's about the effort. It's the two-way play. It's are you are, have you decided not to back check? Have you decided not to go in the corners? Like these are things that these are decisions that, that he's making and when he makes those decisions then the coach makes the decision to to not play him and you know that is a coach's prerogative like you're not just because you're getting that money and just because you're the team's leading scorer you're not guaranteed that ice time yeah uh ivan Provorov did not no, have a great no. game 
uh, it was one of his like last season games. I, I really think he'll be fine and he'll he'll get back to it. But I just think this was one of those nights. He's had a lot of minutes. I mean, he has had a lot of mm-hmm. minutes this year and he's going to have some bad games. There's no question about it. I just look at it and say he's a reliable guy. And sometimes you just have to be thankful that the guy can get out there and do it every game. And once in a while, he's going to have a stinker. I mean, it happens for every defense is that kind of position. It's a, it's a position where you're mostly right. going to make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, And people are going to notice your yeah. mistakes more than the good that yeah. you do. That is, that is for sure. Uh, how did Ali Lixel do in your estimation in his first game back? I up? think he did fine because, you know, he mixed in well, he, he didn't do anything to stand out poorly or, or, you know, in a, in a great way, but uh, like he had a kind of like a Max Wilman game, which, you know, for the first game to kind of get settled in there, that's okay. I mean, that's that I yep. think that'll get him another game, especially if the injuries are continuing because, you know, you got to see what you got. And right now for him to get the call up, he probably didn't know he was going to play like, you know, just to kind of rush in there. I think he was all right. Yeah, I think so too. I think he does need to settle a little bit. I saw like he he just didn't you know, like have the kind of anticipation he normally does because he was playing with right. new guys, and that just takes you know a game or it two will. to to get back into it. So um, I you know obviously I want guys to be healthy, but at the same time I would like him to get this opportunity and and get a few more games. Yeah, one in. more one more stick um, tap for Rasmus Ristolainen because he's been playing really well. He's in this game, I, I think fans should ease up on him now. I, I think he has fit in his new role. Again, He this is like another new role they've asked him to play because now they're asking him to be uh, completely different than when he was in Buffalo for all those people that like to hate on him. So I, I've been impressed with him. I think so too. And I, I like that pairing. I would never have expected no. to like that pairing at the beginning of the season and it's absolutely working right now for the most part obviously you know uh the flyers overall play has some effect on that but i I do think it's something worth continuing i agree i keep it going yeah keep it going one more thing i want to talk about travis sanheim on the power play because he has been uh, you know, a guy that we've said, give him more power play time, give him more power play time. And it's and it's come up with like mixed results. Um, I, I did think, you know, that four minute double minor power play between the first and second was pretty abysmal and he was out there for part of it. Uh, but I do think he needs, again, more sustained time to really decide if that's something they can continue to use him at. Yeah, I mean, this is a trial and error year. They're going to have to see what they can get out of him in that situation. And just keep, I mean, I would try it a few more games. Yeah, I, I think so too. All right, well, we got away with that one, two to one against the Devils. Up next is the Rangers, and we'll talk about them next. And now an important message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many and the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows the risks of drunk driving. The results are often tragic and often deadly. 
However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you're if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available wherever you get your podcasts. Russ, we have the New York Rangers coming up on Saturday night. And you know, the Rangers have been headed in the right direction. They were a little shaky they, they were. for a while, I got to say. Yeah, there was a little bit of that panic going on uh, that we were talking about yesterday related to the Devils in uh, the Rangers franchise for a bit. But they've now won four in a row before last night's game against the Leafs, which I certainly hope was a good one because it sounds like a good one on paper, but we don't know how it will have turned They're out. They're two valuable teams on paper. Yes, we will get to that in the next segment, of course. But uh, I think that the Rangers have, have gotten back on track. Uh, they beat the Devils 4-3 to in overtime. They won against the Avs in a shootout. They uh, really dominated against Vegas, winning 5-1, to and they won against the Blues. But I think, you know, the most important part is they're a healthy team, which seems pretty rare. It is days. rare. Uh, yeah, they are healthy. Uh, Panarin has started to score. Zibanejad was cold at the start of the season, and he is heated up. Chris Kreider has heated up. He was also starting slow. I mean, look, he's not going to get 52 goals again, but he's still going to be a force. And so he, uh, Shesterkin, you know, at the beginning when they weren't doing well for the first, you know, month and a half, wasn't playing great. Now he's playing better to the point where Kale McCarr um, questioned whether he had to make a, a glove save the way he did, saying that he was just showing off. Um, you know, that's funny when players want to go at goalies like that. Goalies love that, by the way because then they know they've gotten into the player's head to some degree. So that stuff has started to happen. And really, since that, you know, all of that has kind of gotten their mojo back a bit. If you recall, when we saw the Rangers last, it was way back on November 1st, when the Flyers were still winning <laughs> some of the games that maybe we thought they wouldn't. But they did lose that one. It was that was a brutal game, because if you recall, it was nothing, nothing at the end of regulation. And the Rangers won in overtime yeah. on that breakaway by Chris Kreider. Oh, so frustrating. Yeah. So frustrating, because the Flyers had held the Rangers really well over the the game in regulation. But and since then, the Flyers have done so much better. And oh, oh no, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, Russ. Uh, the Rangers are fifth in the Metro right now, uh, five, four, and one in their last ten, compared to the Flyers, who have been two, six, and two. So uh, we see how that's been going. But I think uh, one of the more interesting stats on the Rangers right now is they have the most scoring chances for per 60 in all situations in the NHL right now. And you look at their lineup, I believe that stat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, again, even against the Devils, uh, they had, I think they came back from two, two goal deficits in that game. So, you know, mm -hmm. they do have the offense for that, but they have some, they still have some warts in their game that you could take advantage of too. 
Yeah, they absolutely do. I think that, you know, they're just kind of mid-league on the power mm-hmm. play and penalty kill, despite, like, you look at their first oh, yeah. power play unit, and it's horrifying as the other team yeah. to look at. I mean, it's, you know, you've got Trocek, Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider, and right. Fox. Like, what could right. go wrong? But they're still, like, just at 16th in the league on the power play. So they can be Yeah, oh, no question they can be stopped, and a lot of times they stop themselves. So that's... You know, that is um, that is something that that is plaguing them right now, because otherwise they would definitely be a better team. So as the Flyers penalty kill has gotten better here, that could be uh, a key thing. Do you want to put them on the power play? Probably not, because you don't want to be there the game that they break through. But, you know, they are stoppable. They are. And, you know, if you look at their scoring and their defense overall, we've talked about the three goal threshold that you really have to get to to have a a really strong chance to win that game. Right. And so they are just over that three goals per game threshold right now this season and are at two point eight goals per game against over the season. So, you know, they do let up. They do. No question. And the Flyers could take advantage of the third pair. Schneider, Braden Schneider is a good player. He's not a great player yet. Uh, he still will make some mistakes. Libra Hayek, if he's in there, is not very good at all. So uh, with the Flyers being the home team, that's the uh, the pairing I want to get matched up against more often. And definitely, um, if I could, you know, with five minutes to go in a period, so I can maybe, you know, get a goal before you head to the locker room, that kind of thing. I have to be thinking about that as a strategy. Uh, on the other end, you do have to worry about their uh, top two lines. The bottom two aren't as good, but you know, for as long as that kid line stays together, mm-hmm. uh, Kako's doing better, Lafreniere's scoring a bit more, Heedle a smidge more, but that line together has been doing better. And so if they leave that together, they, are, they have good energy. But still, you'd rather take your chances against that line than you would either of the top two. Fourth line's not a big deal on the Rangers. Um, you know, it's going to just be a typical fourth line. But, yeah, I, that's if I'm the Flyers, I've got to match up, you know, Risto and Provorov against their top line and hope yep. the others can can be up for the challenge. The second line will be the one that, you know, like you always say, but the second line will be the harder of the challenges that way. And, and then, yeah, don't put them on the power play and try and expose their third pair and then see who's in net. I really don't know who's going to be in net for that one. Uh, I'm going to guess it, it, you know, it could be Halak, but it also could be Shesterkin because there's a day in between. So there's some guessing there. But if it's Halak, uh, I would really test him uh, side to side. He he's not moving the way he used to. You put a lot of shots on him that could do something. Shesterkin is the opposite. If you put a lot of shots, he likes a lot of work. That's really not going to cause a problem. With Shesterkin, you really are going to have to try and you know measure your shots a little bit more. Getting a moving's fine. Getting any goalie moving's fine, but he still may stop you because his his um the spread eagle that he can do in net is one of the best, if not the best, in the league. He seems to be getting it together a little bit more lately. So uh, I I think you got to right. get him in close, and you got to really, like I said, go that tic tac toe route that they've done before. You got to work on a few of those kinds of things. Try and get those kinds of opportunities. Maybe a stretch pass, maybe a, a breakaway. You know those kinds of, but not too stretchy. Not too stretchy because <laughs> they tend to get intercepted. No, that's true. Not too stretchy. That's that's fair. And um, and for whatever reason, Shesterkin's never been scored on on a penalty shot, which is crazy. 
Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, he, he the other day there was one on him and he stopped that too. Huh, interesting. Yeah, you know, looking at this Rangers team, I think one of the things they're going to have to focus on is being really strong down yeah. the middle because, you know, you look at Zibanejad, Trocek, and then Heedle, who, you know, I've said this before, but Heedle is like an Achilles heel for the Flyers for some reason. He always seems to get a ton of extra Bigger chances guy. He, he's, against he's, the Flyers. He's, he's yeah. got strength and he does go to the net. Those kinds of guys know that the Flyers have a hard time clearing the crease. They just do. They do. So I get against this Rangers team, it's especially important because they have a lot of guys who can muscle the puck. They have a lot of guys who can, you know, make quick passes and smart passes. And, and, and Hart needs I, to be careful that in this one be, because yeah. uh, we know sometimes with the stick, he's not the greatest. And the Rangers have a bunch of guys that are very adept at looking to see where he's going to um, be clearing the puck and, and try and steal it. Conversely, Shesterkin always overplays the puck but he's really good at it but if you're on the flyers and you have to try and maybe get along the wall and try and intercept those um clears every once in a while if you can it's the only thing you can do against to battle that but the thing about shesterkin is though he will get that headman pass once or twice a game to kind of get a guy in stride whether it's on the power play or otherwise and you as a defense have to be ready for that so they they have to like you said they have to be built more for speed in this game than they do anything else. They're, you know, the physicality, sure. There's the Flyers want to play that game. They can too. They've got Sammy Blay. They still have guys, even though Reeves isn't there. That's they're not really right. worried about that. You know, um, Goudreau is there. Barkley Goudreau, like they they have guys that can can do that. But I think the bigger thing is, yeah, you've got to just be prepared for that speed. All right, Saturday night it is. We will. Find out how this one goes. Really, really hoping the Flyers can win this one. Uh, just from you know a personal standpoint, mm -hmm. <laughs> since I live in New York, mm -hmm. as well as you know for the Flyers. But we are going to talk about some more things we learned from the GM meetings and uh, team evaluations from Forbes coming up next. Russ, uh, there have been some discussions ongoing for a while now, but I think they've sort of surfaced a little bit more in the more recent GM meetings and uh, mostly related to the schedule that we haven't talked about yet. And for the regular season, I think that, you know, they're looking for ways to capitalize more on the rivalries in the league. And I don't know, I have my doubts and misgivings about some of the things that have come out of this. But one of them is a way where they would have up to eight games against in division teams in a season and lower the number of games like you maybe you'd only play the teams in the other conference right. once instead of getting a home and home. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, we all I I'm going to be honest, I, I I, I'm not against it. What I think ends up happening is uh, we just grow weary of everything. Like, I think we complain about everything. I remember uh, it used to be there's too many division games. So then the league said, okay, now there's going to be less division games and everybody's going to play everybody because that didn't always happen. And then that didn't serve it. So then it was like, all right, um, we'll go back to more division games, but not as many division games as they were before. 
and you know we'll keep having you play the other teams like i just think we just keep reduct shuffling the deck chairs and i do think it just has to do with where stars are and what you know who player people want to see so like if you're admin you know if, if you want to see Connor mcdavid there's one shot every year for everybody that's it and right you know this is where i give the nhl credit nhl teams don't sick guys for load management or anything like the nba does who rest their stars so if you're a flyers fan you want to see Connor mcdavid 99% chance you're going to see them. So that's good. Beyond that, they can make some other changes. I don't I don't get that bothered by it either way anymore. Yeah, I get that to some degree. I just keep thinking about the games in the bubble, yeah. right? Where and this is what this was inspired mm -hmm. by because it seemed to be popular, right, in the ratings and nobody could attend those games. So it was, you know, the the gate didn't really right. matter. But um you know, I just remember being so sick of playing these teams over and over again, where they like shuffled the divisions. And um, it was nice getting to see a couple of different teams, you know, because they moved. Uh, it was like Columbus and Carolina yes. got moved out of division at the time. And so it was nice to see them again when they shuffled them back. But Man, I just was so sick of those teams. And and there's got to be a happy medium here. And I guess it does change when you have superstars it in does. different places, like you were alluding to. So, you know, for a while you do want to see Edmonton, but what if you don't want to care as much about Edmonton anymore? Like Connor McDavid isn't there. So Yeah, like Columbus um, has Johnny Goudreau, who's a local favorite. Like mm -hmm. people in this area definitely want to see him. Now they can see him more than once a year. You know what I mean? I'm more for the happy medium where maybe we get one or two extra games against the rivals and maybe you do drop the other conference and you it's every other year now. Right. Um, I, I think, you know, where you have one game against them, right. either home or away, depending yeah, on the yeah. schedule. I, I think I'm okay with that. Um, Jeff Follette had a really interesting idea, which will never fly because it reduces the number of games in a season. And, um, but you say if you play, every team home and home which would be 62 games and then at the end of the season all bunched together you have more uh games one each home and home with just your division rivals so that's 14 games for a total of 76 games in a season which gives the players more rest the only thing is even getting past the six games lost revenue the, the, the league right. what they've done is they have really done a lot to cut down on extra travel and the home and home adds right. travel and travel cost. And so I think it would get shot down first, even just for that. Yeah, I, I don't know if it would be more in the end, because if they put them in the right order, so it's like a road I trip. I don't know for sure, but it feels like it. And they're I closer. Could be wrong. It feels like it, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. But uh, I think that it's always an interesting oh, yeah. discussion. And I think it is reactionary to your point. You know, it's the hardest. It's the hardest job in sports. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I say it's reactionary in the sense that they're make, they want to maybe make some adjustments to react to how things are now. But by the time they get implemented, yeah. things have changed again. And so it's constantly shifting goalposts. Like, let's just say Connor Bedard, for argument's sake, uh, you know, he he becomes um, an Anaheim, duck. Anaheim duck. Right. Well, all of a sudden you want to see Anaheim more because you want to see this Bedard kid. So, yeah, I mean. That's a factor. Yeah, always a mess there. Talking about other things, we 
alluded to the Rangers being the most valuable franchise mm-hmm. in the earlier segment, and uh, they are still the most valuable franchise. Forbes just came out with their top NHL lists, and uh, the Flyers are down at number eight. And now t- uh, tell me what the Flyers are worth. One point two five billion. Well, the value of the Flyers in two thousand was. 240 million. I mean, that's a long time. That's a, and in, inflation. It's a good investment. Well, I mean, inflation doesn't mean your value goes up, though. Well, that's true. So that's a, yeah, that's a nice thing. The Rangers, just to show you, uh, they were at 263 uh, million uh, back then. But the Flyers were second in the league, and now they're eighth. And that is something. Again, uh, they renovated one of the things i've noticed on this list is the newer more renovated stadiums tend to add a lot more worth teams that have the older decaying ones but the flyers fan base has also uh, decayed a little bit and that is why they're at eighth they really should be in the top five if you think about it yeah i think there's a lot of truth to that and i don't know it's uh And it is interesting because if you look at some of the teams that have been bought by conglomerates or, you know, like these global sports conglomerates or have had some success in recent years, um, their value has gone up tremendously. And, Mm -hmm. I, you know, you look at the L.A. Kings, they're worth one point three billion. I think right? it's That's the LA the Live, flyers. the LA Live thing yeah. there that every it draws a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. So now they sell out more, uh, people spend more money down there. Plus, the area is worth more. Uh, one place that I was surprised at that isn't as good as I thought would be with the Islanders at twelve because brand new arena, have been successful. Uh, they're in the fourth richest county in the United States in Nassau County. Or if you want to say, hey, they're not really in Nassau because it's Queens and Long Island, fine. The closer you are to the city, the more things are worth anyhow. So either way, it's a very valuable property. Surprised it's there. And really, Vancouver at 13, I was like shocked. I mean, yeah, that's pretty low. It's pretty low. And then some of them are really low. Ottawa doubled, though, right? I think they doubled since yep. they've been spending money. And the thought that they may get a uh, new place, definitely getting a new owner. You know, Ryan Reynolds was interviewed by Gary Bettman the other day. I'm sure that was fun for both. So um, you could see. And uh, Seattle Kraken come in on this ranking for the first time Yeah, uh, at number 10. Which is a big deal. you can see why. Yeah, it's a big deal. And Tampa, I think, rate got um, like a 21% bump or something. And that's what going to the cup uh, all these years does for you. So, you know, think about it. Like some people are like, ah, Florida, it stinks. You can't do anything. Tampa, Tampa is going to argue with you on that. I wouldn't uh, doubt that for a second, but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting how things have changed over the years in the value of these franchises and some of the newer kids on the block are making strides, but some of the old stalwarts are holding fast as well uh, with original six still, you know, the top four. The original six is the key in this league. Mm-hmm. It, it always has been. And I think it always will be. I mean, for the most part, like I said, there is an opportunity left for a team like the Flyers to go in the top five, but original six will always be in the top 10 if they're not, something's really wrong. Yeah. All right. uh, That'll do it for today's show. 
we'll be back again on Monday. We're going to recap that game against the Rangers. Plus, we'll have our nemesis of the week. Always a good time. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers or Instagram at the same handle. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available wherever you get your podcasts.